Welcome to Am I Famous Yet? Memoir of a Working Class Rockstar. This is chapter 29 called The Girl in the Hamster Ball. Russian weddings are difficult to adequately describe. I've played in many Russian wedding bands for years. I get a lot of questions about the gigs from people who haven't yet experienced them. People ask, where are the gigs? In Brighton Beach? Do they all play Russian music? Well, no they aren't and no they don't. Let me back up a second. Russia is the largest landmass country in the world. It covers 13 time zones. They are so ethnically diverse that they even have Mongols. But based on a very few Russian expats I've encountered playing weddings in Brooklyn, I fear the entire country. My paranoid, unfair generalizations are based on over a decade of experience with a very specific microcosm of Russians. Those living in the US who have a spare $50,000 to $100,000 to spend on a wedding. Please understand that this is a very limited and specific set of Russians about whom I generalize. I've never been to Moscow. I've never met very many working class Russian families who are proud of their art and culture. Most of those I've ex been exposed to are a group of people who are wealthy, who want to appear wealthy with a bizarre sense of entitlement. They are desperately trying to demonstrate to their friends and family how rich and esteemed they are. This wealth and opulence seldom trickles all the way down to the band, I can assure you. Let me be clear. American weddings and the people who spend lots of money on, on, on them aren't any better. They're just slightly different. Wedding culture in the U.S. is an industry unto itself. Catering halls the world over, and especially in the northeastern U.S., are remarkably similar in appearance, services offered, style of decor, and especially how they tend to mistreat the lowest form of human existence, the working musician. Weddings in general have the same cake, the same bouquet, the same speeches, the same shrimp for the cocktail hour and rubber chicken for dinner, the same rented tuxedos, the same white dresses, the same god-awful, bizarrely colored satin bridesmaid dresses, the same timeline, etc. It's a woefully monotonous and unimaginative business. The gigs are all exactly six hours long. We, as Americans, are just used to them. There's a large Russian immigrant population in the U.S., especially since the fall of the Soviet Union. As such, a great deal of oligarch money has made its way over here with these immigrants. I noticed early on at these gigs that the, that the vodka on every table, as there must be a bottle on every table to demonstrate opulence, is usually Grey Goose vodka made in France. The Russians who arguably know a thing or two about vodka, are somehow self-loathing and would never serve actual Russian vodka. The Russians are an interesting breed of people, and especially the musicians. Though I know this isn't true, it feels like the Russian cats in the band have all been in conservatory since age three. Most of them can read fly shit. Most of them, like most classically trained musicians, get very uncomfortable when the music starts to get improvised. Wedding gigs in, in general are notorious for getting off book, due to the sheer volume of material and range of styles that need to be covered in a six-hour gig. So on these gigs, by definition, we have to spend a lot of time improvising and flying by the seat of our pants. Most of the bands I play in are mixed Russian and American musicians, about half and half. Depending on the makeup of the couple, whether it's two Russians, two Americans, or one of each, the resulting playlist will reflect this. If it's a full-on Russian affair, the 15-piece orchestra might spend 60 to 75% of the night pantomiming to pre-recorded MP3s with only the vocals being live. The music is a lot of Eurodisco pop, mostly in English, but some in Russian, Italian, Spanish, or Hebrew, etc. 
the instruction from the bosses while performing these songs is for us to make fun. Contrary to the actual meaning of this in English, which is to ridicule, what they mean is to smile, dance, and pretend to be playing and having the time of our lives. Many of the musicians will noodle along with the MP3s. The drummer is asked to keep playing regardless. The bass player is generally asked not to play because it just muddies up the sound. So I can potentially get paid to stand there a quarter of the night and pretend that I'm doing something. Uh, three quarters of the night, I mean. The client pays the band by the number of musicians on stage. If they can afford 15 pieces in the band, they get 15. Five or seven of these pieces may just be singers performing only three to four songs per night, but there must be 15 people on stage. If they can only afford nine pieces, they get nine. To my ear, anything over about five pieces at these gigs sounds about the same. But see above where I mentioned the ethic towards ostentation. There's also a trend at these functions uh, of shooting production videos ahead of time to show to the guests. These seem bizarre upon first encounter. They usually involve a comedic script about how the couple first met and fell in love. This is a slapstick comedy without any irony, since irony seems to be a concept that is completely lost among this particular demographic. This also requires non-theatrical family members to recite lines, perform on-screen action, and use comedic props. These videos are god-awful to anyone not intimately equated with the family. They're just the worst. But because they star Uncle Boris and the wedding couple, everyone is delighted with their antics. The videos get genuine peals of laughter and applause. More importantly, they give the band a 10 to 15 minute break. There are a lot of bilingual speeches and toasts at these affairs. At these affairs, most uh, more than once, a mother of the bride has delivered her heartfelt good wishes to her daughter in the form of a song. Once in a while, this involves the mom singing along to a karaoke track. This feels uncomfortable to watch. Several times, we have seen a mother completely lip sync some bombastic song from Phantom of the Opera or some similar source, not actually singing a note. The whole thing is an obvious sham, yet completely accepted by the entire room. From speaking to some of the Russian members of the band about how this is in any way acceptable, they have tried to explain to me the predominance of the appearance of propriety in their culture. The sense that I get is that as long as it looks right, it is right, even if it's completely wrong. There are analogous incongruities in our own culture, of course. Any politician who maintains a sham marriage just to remain electable is participating in the same exact subterfuge. But since we Americans are used to that falsity, it doesn't really register with us any longer. It's only when we get to observe the complacent mendacities of other cultures that it strikes us as odd. Russians also seem to share a deep cultural love of a good floor show. Almost every wedding seems to involve some type of halftime performance in the middle of the ballroom that has nothing to do with the typical wedding band. One of the bands I play with most frequently has a thing they call the Violins Pop Show. This involves a string quartet playing wireless electric fiddles out on the dance floor wearing clothing that is more rock and roll than the tux-wearing band on stage. The string quartet also has pre-recorded backing tracks they perform with. They're usually, but not always, playing live, but with embellishment. They get the couple and the family up on the dance floor and make them part of the show. It's an odd performance from the American point of view though usually well received by the patrons. But again, this affords the rest of the band a 15 to 20 minute break, so we love the violins pop show. Other floor shows have involved dance troops with routines that range from tango to hip hop, often during the same performance. 
complete with elaborate costume quick changes. One set of dancers had candle chandeliers mounted to their headdresses. I'm not sure what that was about. Uh, there was one performance group where the dancers were dressed as Hasidic rab rabbis doing ethnic folk dances in unison. They had a routine where they danced with wine bottles balanced on their heads. It was amusing to marvel at the skill that must have taken. Well, it was amazing until the very end. The big reveal is when they carefully lifted their hats, making us realize that there were holes in the crowns of their hats and that the bottles were actually strapped securely to their heads. Very funny, rabbis. They even did, had a rabbi who did a routine with four life-size puppets all mounted on poles resting on his shoulders. You may have seen the same routine done with village people puppets or something at halftime at, a, at an LA Lakers game. All of the puppets follow the moves of the puppeteer exactly. It's a good gag, but I'd never seen it done with rabbis. Another wedding, band, uh, wedding had some sort of circus theme to it. Jugglers and a high unicyclist were introduced into the performance space at the end of the evening. Somewhere during the dinner hour, they had a group of about a dozen kids all dressed up as clowns come out and jump around with no particular purpose other than the fact that they were clowns. Yeah, it was a bit creepy. By far the most impressive one that I've seen to date was a contortionist dancer who did an entire routine on the dance floor while sealed in what can only be described as a giant hamster ball. This is a large, rigid, clear plastic sphere with a person inside of it rolling around the room and occasionally getting an ankle up behind her head. I don't know how they got her into or out of the ball, and I don't know how they got the ball into or out of the ballroom. It might have been an inflatable situation. As ever, these floor shows uh, afford the band probably the only 15-minute break we were going to get in the entire four-hour reception. As with most of them, I didn't stay to watch the whole thing. I probably had to pee. I'm going to share with you now an email that we've received from one of our band leaders about an upcoming gig, but I want to preface this very carefully. Understand something. I am very grateful to these bands for many years of lucrative employment. I have nothing but the utmost respect for people who run these bands. As immigrants to this country and facing sometimes tremendous language barriers, they have built successful independent businesses up from nothing. They are sh truly shining examples of people living the American dream. I also have no quarrel with anyone who is heroically conducting business in a second language. This has to be extremely difficult. I can barely speak English myself. If I had to communicate in another language, I wouldn't be able to get past yes or no, and those would most likely be in sign language, not words. This email I will share with you verbatim. There were several issues that needed to be discussed involving unstage band decorum that were all based on our previous poor behavior. Everything he is saying is completely reasonable. The reason I share it is not to ridicule the author, though some of the mistakes are a lot of fun to read, Quite the contrary. I wish to illustrate both the challenges the band leader faced trying to communicate in a foreign language, as well as the additional challenges we faced as non-Russian speaking musicians trying to decode exactly what our charge was for the evening. Quote, very important, orchestra rules. Number one, nobody from all the band members can't use and check your cell phone or iPad on the stage during the dance sets, just during the breaks, emails, Facebook, SMS, and voicemail messages. Number two, nobody from the band members can't do the pictures from your phone on the stage during the set your show working time. Number three, nobody, singers or musicians, can't leave the stage during the show working time period, only during the breaks. 
Nobody from the singers can't use anytime the wireless system for your own iPad. Only wire. We had a very bad experience and will never use this system any more times. Please check the introduction of the song Gozar La Via by Julio Iglesias because we had all a time problem to play this song properly from the beginning. Hope that everyone understand my point and we don't need to return back to talk about these problems. Everyone on the stage must have must to have a big fun with your work and show to our uh, new potential clients your energy. Also a good time, including the dancing and smile. This point will show to the gusts our professional skills and will bring more uh, new potential clients. The songs program I'll send you shortly. Did you get all of that? Cool. I'll see you on the next wedding gig. Thank you.